Good, 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 good. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are excited you're here. Um, a couple things real fast before we jump in uh, headlong this morning. Uh, one, there is a prayer blanket, uh, again, out in the lobby there, if you kind of come out and go to the right. Uh, we've got some women here in the church that have started uh, getting together and kind of sewing and doing some different things like that, uh, just as a time of, of fellowship and uh, edification and um, a way to just serve. And so there is a, a lady that has uh, got cancer, um, and so we're going to present her with that blanket. And what we need you to do is to pray. There is some uh, a card there of what you can be praying for. Um, and as you pray, if you'll just tie a knot, but like I said, it's over there on the, on the prayer wall um, where you can do that. Um, so if you would be gracious and do that for us, we'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, number two thing, uh, again, just want to make mention, um, man, of a generous gift that we've gotten. Man, God has just been so faithful and so good. And uh, in that, just kind of stirring uh, in the heart of a family. Um, and that family just said, hey, just, just think of some things uh, around here that you would like to see done. And I said, well, can I bring the ministry team in on that? And they're like, yeah, Absolutely. They said, just, just dream a little bit. And so we began to dream and look at some different things. And um, in that, I uh, met with that family again. They said, well, let's do it. Here you go. Um, and so graciously give a gift. Um, and, and the cool thing with that um, is this. Whenever I was talking to the trustees, um, I said, what, what, if, what if we try to uh, be aggressive in getting out of debt? Um, uh, imagine the ministry things that we could do uh, here in this church if we got out of debt. And so uh, a part of that gift was $30,000 to go to paying down uh, the facility here. Um, And so the challenge is this, is that we as a church would come together and try to match that. I think it'd be better if we beat it, actually. Um, And if we would do that, uh, our new budget year kicks over uh, in October. Uh, We would be at the place where we'd be very, very close to being able to get out of debt here uh, as a church. Um, and, and the reason why I want to say that again is this, because when that happens, church, the things that we can do, even more so to take the gospel to the nations, to, to be aggressive in ministry and opportunities uh, there. And so I just, I just want to celebrate so far, we, we kind of kicked that off last week. Um, and I just want to celebrate so far up to now, we have brought in uh, $9,025 to match the $30,000 gift given. So yeah. Um, so, so that, that excites me, uh, excites me there. Um, so let's, let's, let's see what we can do, man. Imagine what we can do. Um, so if you have your Bibles this morning, grab those. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start in uh, verse 12 here in a few minutes. Um, we're, uh, we just kicked off a new series last week uh, in spiritual gifts. And so we're just uh, looking at t- chapters 12 through 14 uh, of this letter written here to the church at Corinth. Um, and so we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes. Um, but as you're turning there, I just want to say again, happy Mother's Day. I am uh, excited that you're here with us this morning. Um, whether you're visiting or whether you're uh, one of ours and your family here, we are excited uh, that you're here. Um, and I just thought that video would be fitting uh, because I'm just, we're trying to help moms out, right? Like, like that would not help us out if you were like that video. Um, we make it chaotic enough for you as it is as, as husbands and dads. And so, um, I don't know, we just thought it would be a good way to kind of uh, get a laugh. Um, and I'm just going to be honest. I was being a little bit selfish because I don't know where, where you sat this morning. But for me, this is kind of a hard day uh, as it's my first uh, type of Mother's Day uh, this year. And so, um, w- without uh, my mom. And so, I know that there's some others here as I've talked this week. And uh, today and just got to, to pray with and try to encourage. And so we wanted to um, man, just, just reference that and just say happy Mother's Day. Thank you uh, for all you do, uh, for your, your influence, for your love. Um, we are grateful and we are so, so uh, thankful. And so we say thank you to you. Um, 
And so I just believe this series we're in is going to be fitting. Uh, what we're going to talk about today will be very, very fitting for the day that it is. I believe God's just set this up perfect for us to be able to, uh, to dive in uh, deeper uh, to what Paul's saying to the church here at Corinth, especially as it pertains uh, uh, to spiritual gifts. And so uh, the, the question is always this, and it's, it's kind of laid itself out like this for the last, I mean, four and a half years for me. Uh, Mother's Day rolls around, and there's not like this cute little catchy Mother's Day sermon. Like three steps to be a better mom, which one I would not be adequate to preach that because I'm not a mom. Um, so one that and then two, uh, what, what I believe is, is simply simply this. I just believe that the word of God is enough, uh, whether you're a mom or, or whatever you may be. The, the word of God is enough. And no matter where God has us in his word, it, it hits the hearts of moms. It hits the heart of women. It hits the heart of Youth, men, if you're a full-time worker, if you're retired, or if you're uh, middle-aged, if you're a grandparent, if any walk of life, I believe that the Word of God is enough. And if you want to be a better mom, look at the Word of God, apply it to your life, let the Holy Spirit work in you, shape you, and mold you all the more into the image of the Son. And you're talking about the kind of mom you'll be? It'll be amazing. Same thing goes for dads. Same thing goes for employees. Same thing goes for children, wherever you're at in life. So, so I believe that this will be very beneficial and encouraging to every mom in the room, every mom that's going to watch online, every mom that will reference uh, this sermon today because it's going to be the Word of God proclaimed, truth proclaimed, uh, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to do work in the hearts of people. So happy Mother's Day. Uh, let's pray, and we will jump in here in a second. Father, help us this morning. God, help us this morning to hear what you have to say. Oh, God, that you would do a work in the hearts of your people in this place. God, that we would walk away from here this morning forever changed. That we would walk away this morning more in love with you, with a greater understanding of your truth, with a greater understanding of who we are, Father, with a greater understanding of what you have set out for us to be about and to do. And Father, not just a greater understanding, but a, uh, but a plan of action to walk that out and to live that out. So Father, I beg of you, I ask of you, do whatever you need to in this place over the next few minutes to align us with your heart, your vision, your will. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've already accomplished in this place this morning. May you receive glory and honor. Shame we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so Paul's writing this letter to the church here in Corinth. Um, and this, this church, as we said last week, has some major issues, it's some big time issues. It's very chaotic. It's very dysfunctional. Uh, it, it's unhealthy. They're, they're struggling. Um, and, and the problem is that they don't, they don't see it. They, they don't get it. They don't understand it. They, don't, they think that they're doing great. They think that they're uh, knocking it out of the park. They think that they understand and they uh, have got some things going for them here and that they're doing it and doing it well. And uh, so Paul here in these chapters 12 through 14, uh, what he's going to do is he's just going to rebuke them. He's going to correct them. He's going to uh, help them see and understand in a better way that, uh, that that's not the case. And, and so that's the context of what's happening here at the church at Corinth. And so my plan and my heart is this. This is, this is what I want to do. Two, two simple points. I want to talk to you about who we are as it pertains to and as we see in the scriptures here this morning. Uh, so, so I want us to be able to identify who we are, to be able to understand who we are. And, and then what I want to do is I want to talk about the need for us to live out our spiritual gifting as it pertains to us being part of the body of Christ. It's pretty much what do you do with who you are? 
Once you understand who you are, now what do you do? And so some of the people here at the church in Corinth, they're being, they're being selfish, very selfish, very self-centered, elevating certain spiritual gifts of, of utmost importance. They're acting away, in, in essence, to saying that God has made a mistake by a certain gifting here, a certain gifting there. You don't have this gifting, so you're, you're inadequate, or, or you don't match up, or you don't meet what needs to be. And, and so they're, they're making some feel less valued because of the lack of a certain gift. And what it's doing is it's causing problems for the body. Is making some feel less valued, less important, less needed. And so, as we know of the Apostle Paul, he doesn't hold back. He's going to go right at it right from the very get-go. So, so verse 12, as we, as we get ready to, to, to dive in there, the, the question I want to address first is this. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? If, if someone was to meet you on the street today and ask you that question, after the service, you're out. Or tomorrow at work, they were to look at you. Somebody new maybe that comes in. And they were to ask you that question, how would you answer that question? Who are you? I mean, have you ever even thought about that? I mean, what a question, right? Very, very loaded question. I mean, that's a very deep, deep question there, is it not? I mean, how, how would you answer? If somebody asked me, they say, hey, who are, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm Scott Miller. What the heck does that mean? Scott Miller? What, what, is, what is that? What is, it, what is a Scott Miller? How, how, do you, how do you identify or define yourself? And, and, and the thing is, this is like it's, it's not really that unique because I don't know if you're familiar, but there's another Scott Miller in the community. Yeah, you should try living in the community with two of you. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because sometimes I'll call and, and somebody or a company or a business or something like that, and they'll be like, hey, look, can I help you? I'm like, hey, this is Scott Miller. They're like, Scott, and they'll start having this conversation about like putting out fires and doing crazy stuff, and I'm just like, that's the other one. I'm in ministry. They're like, oh. <laughs> Not near as cool as being the guy that like runs into burning buildings. What's that about? I mean, so so how, do you, how do you answer that? It's such a loaded question. I'm Scott Miller. I'm a, I'm a male, originally from West Virginia, middle-aged guy, 38 years old. Uh, married to my wife, Meredith. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. I, I mean, I may say those type of things, and you may say certain things that kind of describes who you are, what you're about, or what you like. And those things aren't necessarily wrong, but is that who I really am? Those things, is that who I really am? And, and what does that even mean? Who are you? Who are you? And, and, and our culture, has it not done a horrific job of defining, helping us define and figure out who we are, how we identify, what we're known as? I mean, they have done a horrific, horrific job about it. Has it not our current world, our current culture of helping navigate and lead us down a road to, to, to help us define who we are, identify who we are, say who we are? I mean, I don't want to default to that. I don't want to look to the culture for answers. I mean, think about it for a second. Think about how wishy-washy our culture and our world truly is. Like, I'm a product of the 80s. So I come from the 80s, 80s, 90s, uh, great years, love it, uh, love being born in that generation. And uh, we, we've had some downfalls in the 80s and 90s and, and 2000s and uh, some major downfalls. And I'll just cite some of those uh, downfalls that I believe were just horrific, like what were we thinking moments to try to point us to the fact and reality that maybe we shouldn't take culture's advice of, of, of defining who we are or answering that question of, of who we are. Because in the 80s, one of the big things to do was wear spandex. Lord, help us. 
Let me just say, if you ever go to the closet and like, what should I wear here? Polo shirt? Nope. T-shirt? Nope. Khakis? Eh. Spandex. That is never the answer. Never. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's good, right? It holds some things together. It keeps some things tight. It maybe keeps you from pulling a muscle. I don't know what the point of spandex is, but, 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 but wear that under something else, man. Nobody wants to see that. I mean, I just want to lovingly encourage you this morning. Something else, fanny packs. What the heck is that about? And if you're a fanny pack, you be you. Like, this is not a, like, beat up on you. Because, like, I'm trying to jump in with you to back. I mean, it's just conveniently located right here. Everything you need right there at it. Just, I mean, go, never wear it backwards because you don't know what somebody back there might go after. You just right here. Safe and secure in this zone here. Oh, you need a pen? Boop, there you go. I mean, I don't, I don't have a pen on me right now. Where am I going to put that? You know what I'm saying? Or, or some sort of device. I don't know. Whatever it is that you've got in the fanny pack. Fanny pack is one thing. What about this one? You like this one. The mullet. Which is making its way back. You, you do. Like, you do. I'm, I'm, if my wife would let me let my kids cut their hair in a mullet, we would have them right now. All the Miller boys, minus me. All the Miller boys. Because it's just like you need to do fun things as a dad to your kids sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Just saying. But, but like, like, think about it. And I know those are some goofy, funny, like little, little things that get us laughing and joking. But, but think about how culture has changed over the years. I've, 38 years I've lived in this world and have seen and experienced and, and walked through. 38 years. And so there's no way, no way I would let culture dictate how I answer that question. And, and that's just a different talk for a different day. Maybe in the fall or next year we can, uh, we can do that. So, so what I'm going to do is this. Is I'm just going to look at these next few scriptures, and I'm going to go with what God inspired the Apostle Paul to pen. I, I'm going to answer it the way that I believe the Apostle Paul would answer that question. Who are you? So 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and in all the members of the body, though there's many, are one body. So it is with Christ. So the first way I believe that we can answer that question is this. Either you're one with Christ or you're not. Either you are one with Christ or you're not. So the the question, hey, who are you? I'm one with Christ. That's who I am. That's how I identify. That's how everything, everything about me, everything that I do flows from that reality that I'm, that I'm one with Christ, that I'm in Christ, that I'm, that I'm a Christian, that I'm a follower of Jesus. Everything about my identity and who I am is wrapped up in the reality of me being one with Jesus. I think that's a beautiful, good way to answer that question. Not that I'm a male or that I'm a female. Not that I'm a dad or I'm a, a son or I'm a, a husband. None of those things. Not that I'm a Scott Miller but that I am one with Christ. I believe that's what the Apostle Paul would point at. And he continues on in 13. He says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. There it is again. I believe the second thing that points out here in these verses is this. Who are you? I've been baptized by the Spirit. So I've either been baptized by the Spirit or I haven't been baptized by the Spirit which again points to the fact that I'm one with Christ. I'm either in Christ or I'm not in Christ. Because hear me, not everybody gets baptized with the Spirit. Not everybody has that. 
And, and I believe the Apostle Paul does a beautiful job here of breaking down like barriers, breaking down the, the different walls that, that divide, that, that, that help us try to de- define who we are, try to help us navigate and point to, well, I'm, I'm a Jew or I'm a Greek or I'm a slave or I'm a free. He says, no, 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 it's, it's, it's none of that. It's not about that. Who you are is this. Either you're one with Christ or you're not, or you've been baptized by the Spirit or you haven't. And I believe that, that we need to do some, uh, uh, some, some breaking down and looking at this thought of being baptized by the Holy Spirit because uh, when you start to talk about spiritual gifts, they can get real, real crazy real, real quick. And, and I don't know if, if you like noticed kind of in the song set, there was a lot of Holy Spirit talk and singing that we've been doing. And I don't know, I mean, you may be thinking, are they one of those churches? And the answer is, yes, we're one of those churches. And what I mean by yes, we're one of those churches is, yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Yes, we believe that he is real and he is, he is God. Yes, we believe that he is going to work and do, uh, even in this service today that he's working and doing, uh, that he's drawing, that he's, that he's wooing people to him, that he's, he's doing work. And the thing that we've got to understand about the Holy Spirit is that he will never ever, ever do something contrary to the revealed word of God. The Holy Spirit will, it's not like the crazy uncle that just shows up at the reunion. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I, like I'm from West Virginia, I could tell you stories. Family reunion, and I know what y'all, y'all laugh about, don't you? No, no, we ain't gonna go down that road. You're all family reunion. You've got a crazy uncle that's gonna show up, and you don't know what you're gonna get from him. You don't know what's gonna happen, but you wanna be there to kind of see it. You don't want to just hear the stories. You want to live it out and kind of see it from a distance. You know what I'm saying? It's not like that with the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what you've been told or what you've seen or what you've heard, it's not like that because the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit will never, ever do something contrary to the heart, nature, and character of God. So baptism of the Holy Spirit, real fast. Let's let's, let's walk through this for a second and talk about this because what Paul's going to say here is that the baptism of the Spirit is the act whereby Christ places believers into his body. See, baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we believe, is a one-time happening where we are made aware of our sinful condition and we're awakened to the reality of our great need for salvation in Christ by faith. Baptism of the Holy Spirit happens when we're saved. When we come to faith in Jesus, that's when we're baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit taking up residence in us. It's us crossing from death to life. It's us, it's us getting the Holy Spirit living in us, guiding us, directing us, pushing us toward holiness, uh, sanctifying us, doing a work in us that is, is, is points back to who Jesus is. And so what we know and what we understand about baptism of the Holy Spirit is not an initiation into the ranks of the spiritual elite. That's not what it is, but it's being born of the family of God. That's what baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And we believe that it's a one-time occurrence that happens in someone's life whereby they come to life in Christ. Now, we believe in filling of the Holy Spirit, whereby God fills us and, and does a work in us to, 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 to get us out of, 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 or helps us do things that aren't naturally things that we would do. May that be testifying of the gospel. May that be sharing truth. May that be uh, uh, living out and working and doing in a way that's outside of who you normally are. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is being born again, as Jesus would say in John 3. Being born again. And this is where we're made alive and we become part of the family of God. And so when this happens, we're accepted in as 
part of God's family. We're adopted in as part of the body of Christ. And what Paul's going to do here is he's going to make reference in, in, of this thought in verse 14. Look at verse 14. He says this. He says, For the body does not consist of one member but of many. The body does not consist of one member but of many. It's not a one-man show. It's not about what is a one-man show. It's a Jesus show. It's, a, it's about God. It's about his glory and his renown being made known. But it's not about, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about a, a one person or one member of that body, but of many is what he says. And so the body here is just the church, and it's the church under the headship and lordship of Jesus. What he says goes. What he calls us to, we do. We're of one mind, one desire, one longing, one obedience, and it's the obedience that he leads us into. And so what this is saying is this, is that we have a central focus and purpose in who we are, to bring glory and honor to God and to enjoy him forever. That's the calling of the church. That's what it means to be a part of this body. And I so desperately, desperately, desperately want you, want me, want us to get to the place of where we're secure enough to answer it that way. Hey, hey who are you? Man, I'm a born again child of God. I, I, I am a born-again child of God, and I want us to get to that place. And so we are either born-again child of God or someone who is dead in our sin. That's the only two ways to identify. That's it. I mean, we can give all these other little uh, uh, adjectives or other little thoughts, precursors that kind of go into things that we like or don't like or what we're about or what we're not about, but the only, the only way we identify this morning in this room as people is, is either that of being born again or that of being an enemy of God, that of being uh, saved by grace through faith or being stuck in our sin and rebellion and living for self. So I'm either in Christ or I'm not. I'm either baptized by the Spirit of God or I'm not. I'm either a part of the body of Christ or I'm not. And so my question is, when you think of it that way, do you marvel at that? I mean, have you ever thought of it in, in those terms? Because I don't know about for you, but for me, that's one of the most freeing ways to live your life. One of the most freeing ways to live your life. I mean, the expectation and the pressure, what's, what's put on us now as a result of being a child of God, of being accepted, of being loved, of being valued by the King of kings and Lord of lords, uh, by the creator of the universe. Uh, one of the most freeing things that we can walk in is this truth, this reality. I mean, that I'm a born-again child of God, that I've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Uh, man, to know and understand who you are. Man, the pressure's relieved. You, you don't have to do anything to get to. I don't have to, but I get to. Why? Because I'm found in him. And he's going to be the one that's going to guide me. He's going to be the one that directs me. He's going to be the one uh, that, that leads me. There, there's no more fronts. I don't, have to, I don't have to fake it. I don't have to put up a front. I don't have to pretend. If I mess up, you know what? I've got a dad that says, come on, boy, you're mine. Come on back. That's a, come on, man. C come on back. I love you. Let's do this again. And he'll pick me up. He'll dust me off, pat me on the butt, and send me back out. That's what I have, acceptance and forgiveness in Christ because of what he's done on the cross. So now what Paul's going to do as he continues to move forward is this, after he has identified who we are, as he's helped the church here at Corinth understand who they are, thus letting us know who we are, he's going to use this illustration to help the church here understand better. And so this is going to be our second point, this. The need for us to live out our spiritual gifting as it pertains to us being part of the body of Christ. That's what he's going to answer. That's what he's going to address. And he's going to do it in the way of an illustration. This is what he says, 1 Corinthians 12, 15. He says this, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, 
I do not belong to the body. That, that would not make it any less part of the body. I mean, have you thought about that? I mean, think about the craziness of, of this, this illustration. So if our feet could talk and my foot said, hey, I'm sick and tired of being down here. I want to be up there as a hand. I'm no longer a part. Let me, I want to be a hand. And so since I'm not a hand, I quit. It, it doesn't work that way, does it? And this is no more special than this right here. You put your right foot in, you put your... Sorry, reel it back in, Scott. I mean, the foot's no more special than the hand. But the reality is this, if I'm missing the foot, it makes, it for, makes for a long day, does it not? I'm either on crutches, I'm either in a chair, I'm either hobbling around, I'm either crawling, I mean, I mean it makes it difficult. But if I'm missing my right hand, it makes for another long day, does it not? Especially being right-hand dominant. And so what Paul is saying, just because the one is not the other does not make it any less part of the body. He goes on in 16 and says this. He says, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. See, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? See, see what, what Paul is saying is that every part of the body is vitally important. Every part of the body is necessary. And what we need every part of the body to do what? To function properly, right? To function at our highest level. We need every part of the body working as that part of the body to do and to be, to be able to function and do. So so when I read this, whenever I look at this, whenever I think about this, and, and think context for a moment, right? Church at Corinth. Because you can't do this, because you're not prophesying, or because you're not speaking in tongues, or because you're not uh, uh, the gift of, of healing, because you, you don't have those, you're not exercising those certain gifts, you're really not as of much value as those that do. I mean, so, so think about that for a moment. And what Paul's doing is he's correcting that thought. Just because you've been given that gift and not a different gift doesn't make you any more special. It doesn't make you any better. I guess the way that I look at that is like this. There's no all-stars in the family of God. There's no all-stars in the body of Christ. There's no varsity-level type Christians. Or there's no one that God just can't accomplish and do what he needs to do if they're just not on his team and part of the body. That's crazy thinking. And what Paul is doing is reminding them, like, look, you're wrong. You're out of line. Whether you're a foot, praise God, be a foot because the body needs a foot. If you're an eye, praise God because the body needs an eye. Whatever your gift is, whatever your role, that's the way God's created you, formed you, and fashioned and made you. And it's vital to the body, to the body. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. And he goes on in verse 18, and this is what I love. He says this, but as it is, God arranged it. Who arranged it? God, that's exactly right. So, so if, if you've got a problem with the gifting that you've got, you need to talk to him. Because as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Each one of them as he chose. Who chose? Who arranged the members in the body? Who gives the gift? That's it, God. It's all God. It's his fault. It's him. He did it. And what that does is it shows us that he is sovereign and that he is good and that he is gracious And that he has a plan that is far, far greater than ours because he arranges who he chooses and he does as he sees fit and he puts them where they need to be in the body. Why? So that they can perform and do and be at the greatest level possible. At the greatest level possible. That's what God 
does what he sees fit, what he knows is needed in his church, in his body. So, so I, as I was thinking and kind of just reading through this, um, it just kind of blows my mind that, that I have the privilege and honor to be a lead pastor of his church. I, I, I mean, like y'all, like, like, if, like well, y'all knew to me, most of you. Um, and you're like, yeah, we're, we're confused about this thing too. Like, that's crazy. Um, but, but, but I mean, if you could see sometimes the looks that I get, the stares that I get, like, like, like when somebody asks you, because that's the way guys kind of like, do, oh, how are you doing? Like the measuring stick, like the, like the Scott Miller that's the firefighter is like up higher on the pole than the Scott Miller the pastor because I mean, like, I mean, that's so much cooler, is it not? I mean, you're running, I mean, you're squirting water, like it's not water hoses, like I get a garden hose, that's all I got. But I mean, like you got like these high power hoses. I mean, they like peel the hide off a cat, so I've heard. And so it's like, I mean, you get axes, the jaws of life, sign me up. You need to set something up for me next week. You hear? Just call him. Okay, anyways. I mean, but, and so usually, like, like, that's, how, like that's our measuring stick is guys like, hey, so what do you do? And, and, and you know, like, like it, it's, like, I love it. And it's usually, like, like, if I'm playing golf with somebody I don't know or something like that while I'm on vacation, that, that question usually comes up, like, four or five holes in. Man, and the looks I get whenever I say, well, I'm a pastor. Man, how people can get spiritual in that moment. <laughs> well, bless you, brother. And like, I'm not, I don't even know like, what all this is, but you too, dude. And I give them five, and they're like. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm so sorry. I'm like, look, you don't need to apologize to me. I'm not the one that can send you to hell. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, would I? Yeah, I would. Um, but man, man just, just looking at this and just thinking about this and just like, I guess just kind of getting lost in the, the bigger picture of things of who God is and what he does. I mean, I mean, like I said, the, the, the looks that I get, the confusion on people's face sometimes, and especially like if I go to the hospital to visit someone, yeah, I come walking in like, well, like, uh, we only lost so many visitors up. Who are you? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm their pastor. <laughs> no, really, what do you do? <laughs> I, don't, it's like, I mean, I'm like, do I not look like a, no, I don't. And I guess that's what it is. I guess I've got spiky hair, maybe because I'm middle-aged. I don't know what. I mean, maybe because I have some tattoos. I, I, don't know what, I don't know why I get those looks. Maybe because I don't act like a pastor, which I don't know how a pastor's supposed to act. I mean, I just believe that it's somebody that's supposed to be passionately in love with Jesus and, and do what Jesus has called me to do and what he's called me to be about and follow him with, with, without reservation. And I'm going to do my darndest with the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. But, but if I could just be honest for a moment, I don't know why either. I don't have a clue. I, I don't have a clue why he chose me to do this, to be in the here and the now. And don't think I don't question him often about that. Like, God, are you, are you sure? Like, like, on, like me, honestly, here, I mean, like we're in the middle of a pandemic thing kind of coming out of, and we've, this happened and that, and like, are, you, are you sure? Are, are, are you and he just lovingly reminds me every so often, man, I'm the one that arranges this. I'm the one that's sovereign over this. I'm the one that, that's going to do as I need to do to get you and a, and a body of people to where they need to be for my glory and for my honor. And he just reminds me that this is his doing, that, that, that this is his doing. And, and I'm not so great to think that I can help add to that, but I'm also not so pitiful and pathetic to think that I can take away from that either. I mean, I'm not that powerful on either side of the spectrum that this is his doing. This is his plan. It's all for him and his glory. 
And the same thing goes for the men and women sitting in this room. Whether you're here as ours, as a New Life Baptist Fellowship covenant member, or whether you've, you've wandered in for Mother's Day to be with a family member at your local body, your local congregation, I mean, he's got a purpose and a plan for you. And the reality is our responses should be, holy cow, God, I can't believe you'd wire me and give me that gift to be a part of that place in your body. So he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, and he's, he's picked you to do that and to be that and to give you that gift. And so he's going to go, this is what he's going to say, he's going to continue to press that and encourage that here. He says, if, if all were a single member, where would the body be? I mean, it's a great question, right? If, if there was just one of us that gathered here every Sunday and that was it, we wouldn't get far, would we? We wouldn't be able to accomplish much, would we? And, and I just go, automatically just go like, like to Jordan. Like I said, again, I was, I was a, an 80, 90s kid. And, and that's when Jordan, I mean, we can argue LeBron all day long if you want to, fine specimen of an athlete, but, but I'm a Jordan guy. And just think about it. Jordan on the Bulls by himself accomplishes not very much. I mean, he may score a lot of points, may wow us. We may still have the tongue sticking out from the foul line, all-star game dunk. We may have some of that stuff. But I don't believe we'll have all the championships that we had. Why? Because you had Horace Grant on that team. And you know what Horace did? You had Scottie Pippen on that team. Do you know what Scottie did? What about John Paxton, Steve Kerr, Bill Cartwright? What, what, about, what about all of those players? And what, about, what about Phil Jackson, the coach? Everybody had their purpose had their role. If it was just Jordan out there, one on five, Jordan loses every time. I mean, I mean he may get some points in, but, but he loses every time. Well, because one can't take on five. Same thing with the church. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. We all have a role to play within the body. We all have giftings given by God. Every one of us. And I think what breaks my heart the most is the lack of participation and understanding of that in the body. The fact that we'll walk in week in and week out. Maybe you'll walk into your congregation week in, week out, not get involved in the game. Not let God use you in the gifting that he's given you. Because hear me, as a believer, what these scriptures teach, every single one of us gets gift or gifts, plural. Every single one of us. As a believer in Christ, as a born-again, baptized by the Holy Spirit, born-again believer, adopted into the family of Christ, every believer gets a gift. You get a gift. I get a gift. You get maybe gifts, plural. You get gifts is what the, is what the Scriptures teach, is what Paul teaches by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what breaks my heart is our lack of understanding and participation in that. See, see church, this, this is the reality that church is not a once-a-week spectator event, but an everyday happening where every member of the family is expected to actively participate in making much of God. Let, let me read that one more time. Church is not a once-a-week spectator event. You, you don't come to be wowed. You don't come to be, oh, man, the band's great, or, man, that guy that preaches is really awesome, or, you don't, or man, the donuts were good, or, or, or oh, man, they got really good kids stuff, or like, that's not the point of gathering here. It's not a once a week for an hour setting. Well, if you come to our church, about an hour and a half because I just can't shut up. But it's like, that's not, that's not the point of all of this. That's not the heart behind this. It's, it's, it's to be involved. It's not a spectator event. You don't buy tickets, get you a good seat, and enjoy. 
It's get in the game. It's, it's an everyday happening. We are the church every moment of every day in this world where every member, every one of us who takes the name of Jesus, every one of us, every family member is expected to do what? To actively participate. Actively participate in making much of God. It's Mother's Day. Let's, let's, let's play for a minute. Let's say mama takes the next week off. What does that look like in the home? Yeah, you, you, you smile and you're kind of, ugh. Like I saw husbands look at like, dear God, please don't. Because it becomes a train wreck, don't it? When, when one decides to check out and not be what God's called you to be and use the gift that he has given you to use, we struggle. We struggle. So why would you not want to participate be a part of a move of God. Why do you want to be obedient? And, and then look at what Paul says to kind of combat this, this kind of single member all-star mentality. On the contrary, on the contrary, he says, not a single members, don't care what your gifting is, you're still vital and needed, whether you're an eye, whether you're a foot, whether you're a hand, whatever you may be. You've got a role to play. You've got a gift to use. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker. Look at these words for a moment. On the contrary, what? Of what you think, church at Corinth? On the contrary, of the way that you're living, the way that you're being, because you don't do this or don't have this gift, or because you do this and you have this gift and you're, and, and you're being told. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker what do we do with weaker stuff? We get rid of it, right? We throw it away. We, 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 we move it aside. We, 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 we're done with it. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable. They're indispensable is what he says. They seem to be weaker are indispensable. It means you don't get rid of. You don't throw away. You don't push to the side. You can't go without what he's saying. And on those parts of the body in verse 23 that we think are less honorable, the parts that you think are less honorable, not as important, not, uh, uh, not as, uh, as valuable, so you think, what happens? We bestow the greater honor. The ones that you think are less honorable, no, 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 we, we bestow greater honor. And our, our unpresentable parts are treated, what, with greater modesty. Greater. Weaker, indispensable. Less honorable gets bestowed honor that are unpresentable in her modesty. I mean, isn't that how God works? Isn't that how God does? First will be last, last will be first. Weak will be made strong. The one that seems to be less valuable is the one that's of most value. I mean, verse 24 says, which are more presentable parts don't, do not require, but God has so composed the body. Here he goes again. Glory and honor, church. Listen to this. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that are lacked, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. You may think that your gift's not important or not valuable or doesn't do much for the body here. But I'm telling you, go day and tie your left hand behind your back and see how that goes. Go a day and wear an eye patch. One day. But I don't need to. Just do it and see what happens. 
See how aggravating that is. Like, like I don't see half the room right now. Like, like, are they even over there still? I don't even know. Oh, hey, there you are. Much more difficult to do and accomplish things. But God has so composed, put together, made, invited in, given gifts. That's what he does. Why? So there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. So we as a body were to be unified under the banner of Jesus. No one's more important or valuable than another. No matter, no matter your role, no matter your gift, gifts that you've been given by God, no one is more important and more valuable. No one is, is indispensable here. No, no one is to be done away with or, or whatever your gifting may be. This is, see, God has uniquely wired and gifted you, me, us. And the truth of the matter is this, is that new life, we want you, we need you. We want to help you develop and find and understand what that gift is. Why? So we can plug you in. Why? So you can use your gift. Why? So that we can be all that we can be. Why? For the glory and honor of God. That's how he rocks this world and turns it upside down. Why? Because one body functioning under one banner, unified, desiring one thing, the glory of God to be made known at all costs, regardless of the role you play or the gift that you've been given. That's what we're about. That's what the Apostle Paul is correcting. So so as the band comes back up, I want to try to illustrate these verses real real quick and then end with what the body should be like despite all the struggle and hang up in the world with the current church. Let, let Let me try to illustrate. As you see, there is a picture here on the screen. And that picture came from this box. And what this picture is, is it's, is it's a picture of what happens when all these pieces in this box come together. And, and they're placed together in the way that they should be placed together. And they're put in the places that they were designed to be put in. And so what we know about this picture in this box is that it tells us right here from the very beginning that there, there are 300 different pieces. 300 pieces in this box that are very unique, that are very intentional, have got great, great purpose. All 300 pieces, not, not one is more important than the other piece. Not, not one is, is of greater value than the other piece. The, the, the whole box costs 10 bucks. So divide that by 300, they, they're all valued the same. And the creator of this picture of this puzzle made those pieces to fit in certain places and spaces for a specific purpose. Why? Because when they're put together, they do this, they create this. This beautiful picture, and how fitting this picture of a lighthouse. Because what are we called to be, church, in this world? A light in the dark, city on a hill. And how fitting. Because I don't know about you, and I don't know how much of a puzzler you are, puzzle putter together that you are, but what little bit of puzzling I've done in my lifetime, I always go for this piece first. Boom, the corner slot. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You find the corner slot first, and now we can start to work with some. You know what I mean? Because then what do you do? You start to look for the hard edge. Why? Because you know that that's the top of the piece. That's the side of the puzzle, the bottom of the puzzle, the other side of the puzzle. It's got to have a corner because it's a straight line. Nothing can connect there. Nothing goes outside of there. So you look for that piece first. I mean, you don't go looking and finding and trying to get and grabbing. What do we do with this guy? He's just a middle guy. But let me tell you about the middle guy. Because you go to put the puzzle together, you go to construct this and make this, and when you get to the end, if you don't have the middle guy, all that time wasted. 
not able to accomplish and put together and make the beautiful picture. But just because you start with the corner piece, straight edges, doesn't mean that it's more valuable. I mean, you can start in the middle if you want, work your way out. You the puzzler, you do it. You do however you like to puzzle. But what I'm saying is this. Each piece has a purpose. Each piece is very, very valuable how as it pertains and fits together with the picture. Is that not us? Is that not what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell the church here at Corinth? I mean, you, you may think because you've got the corner piece together, that you're the corner piece, that you've got two straight edges and that you've got just like two little spots where only, only two pieces can fit in you, that you're something. But I'm here to tell you that you're not. I'm here to tell you that, that, that you have come from the same place that everybody else has that has passed through death to life. The grace and mercy of Jesus has done that and rescued you. And it's God who's given you gifts. And your gift, whether you're corner, whether you're in the middle, whether you're weird looking with it, whatever it may be, is just as valuable and as important as any other piece in that puzzle. Because I'm telling you right now, when you get down to the end of that puzzle and you're missing that piece in the middle, or that piece close to the edge, or wherever it may be, and the aggravation and the frustration that sets in. And we, for too long, church, have been focused on everybody else, their gift, I'm not this, I'm not, and we need to understand that God has got a purpose and a plan. And a gift that he's given you to exercise and use in his body. And and when we do that, this is what we become. A beautiful picture for this world to see what the body and the family of Christ is like. And for far too long, we have lived in a way that's contrary to that. Whether that be through gifting or through talents or through preferences or through likes or dislikes or whatever the case may be. So God has saved you and made you his child. Never forget who you are. Never forget who you are. And second, God has given you a gift or gifts that are needed to be used in this family. Get involved. If not here, get involved in your home church. If this isn't your home, we'll help you find a place. All I know is this is that the body, the body accomplishes more for the glory of God when we move together and we're in a body that fits and works where, where our giftings have been, been placed in us. Get involved, participate, use those gifts for his glory. Build up his body. And then look at what he says here at the very, very end. Look at what he says here in verse 25 and 26, that there may be no division in the body. That's not God's desire for bickering, fighting, division, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Look at verse 26. This is how far. How much do we care? How much do we love? How much do we value? This is how much. If one member suffers, we all suffer together. You hurting? It's not just you hurting. I'm hurting. So this morning as I drive to church, I'm driving to church and I'm just thinking and I'm just praying, I'm just singing and it hits me. And so I just send a text to somebody else that's hurting this week. Because it's a new day. This is a different, this is a different Mother's Day. And so I just send a little encouraging text. Hey, I love you. It's weird for you. It's weird for me. Just praying for you this morning. Replies back, same thing. Because I know somebody's hurting. They don't hurt alone. We all suffer together. And then on the flip side, if one member is honored, what well, we all rejoice together. Church, imagine what that would do in the world. You, you, mean, you mean to tell me you're a, you're a corner? I've been lost my pieces. I've lost all my puzzle pieces. There they are. You mean to tell me you're like one of those weird middle ones? Awesome. Man, I want to celebrate you. 
You mean to tell me you're gifted that way? That you, oh, awesome. You mean to tell me that God's done this in your life? That's great. I mean, man, that, that we got more excited when God did something in somebody else's life and we celebrate. Church, that's what Paul is saying. That's how we're to approach. That's how we're to live. That's how we're to be. He's correcting him. Why? Because they've gotten it wrong. And when you get it wrong, you don't bring glory and honor to God. You bring glory and honor to self. And when you bring glory and honor to self, you turn the world off to who Jesus is. We want to turn people on to who Jesus is. We want to point to who Jesus is. We want to put together a picture of who Christ is. And we want to go and we want to shine a light in the world. And we want to make him famous. That's what we're about. That's what we want to do. That's how the gifts work together. That's how, that's how we bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. So whatever God has gifted you and whatever he's put in you, I mean, there is a place here for you. We want you to use that and do that. We want you to use your gift to bring him glory, to help us be better, and to show this world how great Jesus is. Father, help us this morning in this place. God, speak to our heart. God, do a work here this morning for your glory, for your honor. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for the gifts. Father, the fact that you would even give us anything other than salvation, Father, should just wow us. God, I love you. I need you. Direct us. In this time, Father, if there's one that don't know you, save, work, draw, whatever you've got to do. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen.